This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm feeling pretty good after a nice little 4th of July break. So uh, that is the reason for this, I would say, unusual start time, doing it on Thursday instead of Wednesday and uh, 12 o'clock instead of 3 p.m. We'll be back at the uh, the old time next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, but on a special, let's call it a weekday matinee version of the jet press let's get all the housekeeping out of the way first you can find us on apple podcast google podcast spotify wherever it may be that you get your podcast we are on all of those platforms you can also find us on youtube at the jet press that's where all the youtube shorts are all the prospect interviews all the interviews with current jets players because we got three of them morstead jarper our converse and carter warren are all there so one one eighteenth of the roster of what could be the active roster has been interviewed by justin freed so you can check all that good out math. pretty good man on the fly too that's a domer so <laughs> i'll take that miss shanklin saying i wouldn't be good at math <laughs> so, no no miss shanklin stunk so <laughs> let's let's make a good jets podcast here let's not go back and rehash how bad of a teacher miss shanklin was for me and let's go talk about the jets rivals since the jets have kind of laid low this week it's been kind of just kind of wait and see. Let's wait. Maybe Hard Knocks is coming. Maybe something else. Maybe Aaron Rodgers will say something goofy. That didn't happen yet. So all's quiet on the Western Front right now in terms of Jets fandom. But they still have a monumental task ahead of them. They're probably planning for that. And the monumental task ahead of them is trying to get to the top of what might be the best division in football if you look top to bottom. Because the AFC West, I thought, had that for a very long time. You know, Mahomes, Herbert, and, and all that good stuff. But with the Raiders having fallen off to the degree they have, and with Denver still being a complete wild card, I don't know what Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are really going to combine to do. I think the AFC East might be the best division. I mean, every team, I think, has a legitimate playoff shot, and I think two of them have a Super Bowl shot. One of them could be an extreme dark horse. We'll get into that. But uh, when looking at the division, the team, it's going to – feel weird saying this because this team still does worry me a little bit just because of past history and how this team sort of is but the team that I think is probably the least threatening to the Jets is the New England Patriots and it's been quite a while since I've said that now even if they get DeAndre Hopkins which is looking much less likely now because they just gave Devontae Parker a big extension and threw a ton of money at Juju Smith-Schuster so I find it hard to believe that after years of being the replacing wide receivers guy, that Bill Belichick's going to suddenly go all in on three receivers like that. That's just not how he operates, in my opinion. But the offense is definitely better than it was last year. Cole Strange obviously going to be in year two. That'll beef up with still a pretty okay offensive line. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is one of the most underrated players at any position in the entire league. I think he's a monster when he gets going, and the Jets really got to be afraid of him to some degree. That defense, man, every year you think this is going to be the year somebody figures out Belichick's defense or this will be the year something falls off. It never does. Not only do you have the great play calling, obviously, with Belichick and his son. I think Steve is the, the one calling the plays. I, yep. There's a couple Belichick uh, Belichick spawns populating that, that coaching staff. I think Steve has some influence. Uh, he gets a defense with Christian Gonzalez, who I don't know how the hell he fell to 17. That is a huge mistake by the rest of the league. 
Matthew Judon really coming into his own. I think Christian Barmore's in for a big breakout year. You get Kyle Duggar, who's still underrated. Enough young defensive backs where Bill Belichick can kind of work his magic. Like, really all of New England depends on Mac Jones because you know they're going to have a good defense. You know they're going to run the ball. But New England's always had a good defense, and they could always run the ball. Mac Jones, if he thrives with Bill O'Brien, I mean, that's not a team the Jets can just chalk up as easy wins, man. I mean, because Mac Jones, we made fun of him last year. I don't really think that he's an amazing quarterback in terms of just raw talent because I think he's very limited athletically. But, I mean, that rookie year, he was balling for a good amount of time. And if Bill O'Brien gets him back to that, I mean, this is a team you got to look out for. Yeah, I mean, I think on paper, the Patriots are clearly the fourth best team in this division. But like you said – you can never overlook this team, especially you got to remember this is still a team that the Jets have not beaten since 2015. They haven't beaten them in regulation since the 2010 playoffs. So I know fans are still looking at that. That's true. That's a true fact. In fact, if you want to get any more, I think it's they haven't beaten them in regular season in regulation since 2009. I think is the last time that that happened. Which is oh my, God. it's it's insane. It's insane. It's the last time that they beat the Patriots in regulation in the regular season. So I know fans kind of want to overlook the Patriots as, you know, clearly the worst team in this division, which they're not a bad team, but I would say definitely on paper, they're the worst team in the division, but it's never, ever easy, especially for the Jets to defeat this team, whether it's on the road, whether at home, it doesn't matter. The Patriots are going to be a tough out no matter what. And there's still plenty of talent on this team. And you just went through a lot of it. Uh, I think the Bill O'Brien edition, you know, re-edition or whatever, I think that that's a, a massive move for them. And one of the most important moves they made this offseason because we saw how much Mac Jones and that entire offense struggled last year with the likes of, of, of uh, you know, of, of Judge. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia Joe, Judge. Joe Judge. Thank you. I was like, I was like, who is the defensive coordinator Matt Patricia? Thank you. Didn't Joe Judge get him fined this year too because he like did some workouts that were wrong? Well, I'm like, does, can this guy do anything? They, right? they took a defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator who were both failed head coaches and asked them to run an offense with a young quarterback. So great decision there. But they have tried to kind of counteract that by bringing in Bill O'Brien for as much as his time with the Texans may not have gone according to plan. You know, all around he had some issues with you know, control and power. He's still a brilliant offensive mind. The guy is, is, a, is an excellent offensive coordinator and that's a huge, addition. he's not a bad coach. You look at his numbers. He's not yet. Look at the quarterback, Tom Savage, yeah. Brock Osweiler. Yep. putting in the division the dude knows how to run an offense. The issues in Houston were more like, uh, you know, in, in terms of like him becoming sort of like the GM essentially of the Texans. Those were more of the issues, but the dude can coach an offense. We, we know that. And I think that's going to be absolutely massive for Mac Jones and that entire offense. Jones is under a lot of pressure this season to prove that he can still be the guy. Of course, he was sort of benched last year for Bailey Zappi. The expectation is that Jones is going into the season as the starter, but I can't imagine his leash will be very long because that Patriots kit staff does seem to very much like Bailey Zappi, and he did play all right when he was given the chance last year. So there's a lot of uncertainty, which is this sounds so weird, but out of every team in a division, the Patriots have the most quarterback uncertainty, which is just a bizarre statement. Uh, and I would say they welcome to hell, fellas. I, I, they have the worst <laughs> quarterback room in a division, which is another bizarre statement. It's been forever since that's been the case, but it is. Uh, like you said, that defense is still really, really good. Christian Barmore is great. They have some really good young corners. Christian Gonzalez falling to them in the draft was very surprising that he that he fell that far, and I think that they they might have landed a steal there. Uh, Matthew Judon is still an excellent player. They have some really good players in that defense. I like the the pieces they have on the offensive line. And Ramondre Stevenson, I, I you're you're singing in a choir because that man is awesome. He is one of my favorite running backs to watch in the entire NFL. He is vastly underrated. I'd like to see them get a little bit more depth behind him. Maybe it's Dalvin Cook. Like as a Jets fan, I wouldn't like to see that. But as an NFL fan commenting on the team, they could probably use a little bit more running back depth unless they're really high on Pierre Strong. Uh, but they have some pieces there. Clearly the fourth best team in a division, but you can never count them out. They're well coached, obviously. And now I think they have a good offensive mind running that offense, which is something they didn't have last year. Let me put you on the spot. Uh, temporary Patriots GM Justin Freed okay. here because you took over. From oh, Belichick. Belichick. Oh, okay. Let's say the Patriots missed the playoffs. They're around 500. So maybe where they're picking last year, maybe a little above that. And Mac Jones has, I would say, a year similar to his rookie year. Now, this is a really good quarterback. Better class. than last year. Better than last year, similar to his rookie. That's what Bill O'Brien kind of rehabilitates him to. That's kind of what Mac Jones is in this league. Really good quarterback class. Even beyond that, I know Caleb Williams and Drake Mayer won too. I mean, Quinn Ewers, Cameron Ward, there's a couple guys. Yeah. What do you do? 
Now, obviously, it's so early, you know, it's it's impossible to say. But I will say, I think a lot of it will depend on the future of Bill Belichick and what his like is. There's a genuine possibility that he's gone after this year from the Patriots. Well, I don't think he'd be fired. It would be a situation where he's just like a Sean Payton, right? Like, I'm kind of done with this. I'm going to step aside. I could totally see if the Patriots come out and they finish around 500. Mac Jones has a so-so year. doesn't really prove he's the guy. I could see a scenario where he's gone. And if that's the case, yeah, why not just get a new quarterback in there? You know, why not just start over, completely restart as an organization, which is something the Patriots haven't had to do in legitimate decades, uh, like a full reset. Uh, so I think a lot of that depends on that. If Belichick is sticking around, though, you could also make the argument that, hey, maybe if he's if he's sticking around, he's probably not going to be here for another five, ten years you have a small window of opportunity and maybe you do want to go out there and make a big addition, whether that's drafting someone or maybe they're making an Aaron Rodgers type play for someone else, whoever would be available next off season. I don't know if it's Kirk cousins or whoever is going to be available on the market, but maybe that's something they do. But I think unless Matt, like Matt Jones is under a ton of pressure this season and he has to prove that he's the guy that new England wants to keep building around because their window of opportunity is ticking. You know, I, I don't know how long Belichick's going to be there. So I think that that, maybe is working against Mac Jones and he really needs to per- exceed those expectations if he wants to stay in New England past this season. Before we get into our next team, which is uh those folks down in down in Florida, uh I have a little fun fact for you. You know how Robbie Anderson has been changed his chosen, name a lot. Chosen man. Anderson. Yeah, chosen Anderson. Apparently he changed it again because he is listed on ESPN and a couple depth chart sites as Robbie Chosen. So, so he changed his last is it wait is it Robbie with an I E is it Robbie, I.E. He should just chosen. go back to the Y. He should go back to Robbie with a Y and then go chosen. That's- it's like every every new iteration gets worse. Like, is it really that now? That's actually so funny. I'm see. There's some that say chosen Anderson oh, yeah. and some that say Robbie chosen. Oh yeah, on Wikipedia it says Robbie chosen as well. ESPN Robbie chosen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As of May, he goes by Robbie chosen. I I mean honestly, that, that sounds well, it sounds like a like a magician name, like a Chris Angel and Robbie Chosen. I feel like I like that name. better than Chosen Anderson. I don't like Chosen as a first name, but I can dig it as a last name. What was wrong with Robbie? It's a perfectly normal name. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yes, but also we're you know I don't know, we're just we're working with what we got. It's not as bad as like Meta World Peace, like that. You just completely change your name at that point. Uh, the problem was way back in the day when World Be Free. Made that his name. I mean, you can't top world be free. No, that's a really so, I mean, everybody's been chasing that. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good fun fact. I'm glad you <laughs> glad you told me. <laughs> so on on Robbie Chosen Anderson, whatever the hell he's calling himself yeah. this week, on his team, the Miami Dolphins, uh, they are not messing around. They are fully going in. They think they have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. I don't think they do. I think they'll definitely be a playoff team and definitely in the mix. I think offensively they're going to be a juggernaut. I think people forget too, like Miami barely snuck into the wild card. Well, that was done when Tua Tagovailoa missed a bunch of games. I know we're not the biggest fans of Tua here, but when he was in, that offense was humming. And when he left, for Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. Didn't look the same offensively as it did with Tua. And Skylar Thompson, obviously, I don't think is particularly good. But I mean, what can you ask? He was picked like four picks from Mister Irrelevant, like. You know, what would you expect kind of thing? But they have, I think, the best one-two punch of receivers in the league by a substantial margin with Tyreek Hill, who I still think is like a top three guy, and Jalen Waddle was probably top ten now. I think he's got – I think he's like right on the fringe of that. So you get that. You get a San Francisco offensive mind and Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel. I almost said Mike McDonald. <laughs> Mike McDaniel. And a running game where, as we talked about last week, you know, they're looking at Dalvin Cook and they have kind of this like no name ragtag kind of guy. Like everybody's averaging five yards of carry. Everybody's ripping off big yards. It's just something in the water with these 49ers guys, except for Michael Floor somehow. They all end up getting really good running games out of guys that aren't necessarily super hyped. So that offense is going to be a problem. Uh, defensively, I still don't think they're there yet. I think they've gotten a lot better very quickly. I think Bradley Chubb being back for a full year is going to be huge for them. I think that obviously Jalen Ramsey is going to be the big X factor because Xavier Howard has fallen off. And that secondary last year was just horrendous at certain Mm -hmm. points. They had good individual players cohesively didn't work. Jalen Ramsey is that sort of supercharger that can just push everything and all the other engines. That's Jalen Ramsey on a defensive end. That, that acquisition is not to be taken lightly. And as a, not to rephrase a lot of the our criticisms of New England, but so much of this just depends on Tua. And 
less from an ability standpoint. Like it's it's fun to make fun of Tua because aesthetically he's not very pleasing to watch. Just like the way he looks, like with this weird kind of he's the only lefty, so everything looks kind of off about him. Like I get why Tua, and again, like he doesn't have the biggest arm just strength wise, so he's not missling in these insane throws. But I mean, accuracy wise, I mean he's got to be what top ten in the league sure. pretty firmly accuracy wise and the two of questions I don't think are necessarily performance based. I think he led the league in passer rating last year. It's just all to do with his health. And that's scary for Miami because you can't predict it number one. And number two with the head injuries he's had in the last few years, like and the hip thing that he had going out of Alabama, I mean, one weird turn or one weird landing and you're screwed for years. So the Miami is really on a knife edge. But if everything works out I mean, this is an 11 win team, I think, and that's that's scary for the Jets. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I might even be higher on the Dolphins than you are because I, I I do believe they're genuine Super Bowl contenders. Obviously, barring to his health, that's most you know that's most important. Uh, unless you believe in Mike White and maybe he can come in and lead them to glory. Oh yeah, he'll he'll do his usual. He'll throw 400 yards in his first game, then he'll. He'll be like middling and barely lose a second, and then be awful. And then, and then he'll get hurt, and Skylar Thompson will come in again. And the Dolphins <laughs> yeah, will Thompson. once again be down in their third string quarterback. Uh, but no, I, I I believe on paper, I think they have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, I, I mean that sincerely. The biggest reason for pause that I have is still the offensive line, uh, for sure. That has been an issue for the Dolphins for a long time. They've made strides in that department. Uh, obviously, Tron Armstead is an excellent player, but again, just like Tua, you have the question of health. He played through injury for pretty much all of last year. He's been banged up for most of his career. He's a great player when he's healthy, but we never see him fully healthy anymore. Um, so he's a really good player, but you have other pieces on that offensive line. I believe Austin Jackson is still penciled in as a starting right tackle. Uh, Robert Hunt, who I liked coming out of college, is is fine. He's nothing special. They have Connor Williams, Liam Eichenberg, another guy I like coming out of college was really bad last year. Like he was awful last year. So there are genuine concerns about that offensive line. But other than that, man, this is a really good roster. Like you mentioned, they have the best wide receiver one, wide receiver two duo in the NFL in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I know others will say Cincinnati. They'll say Philly. I, I think it's the Dolphins. I think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are, are both phenomenal players. Uh, and I like the Braxton Berrios pickup too. I do think he really fits that offense. You know, the one thing you you know about those those 49ers disciples, right? The Mike McDaniels, the, the Robert Salas, they all – have their archetype that they look for. And with Mike McDaniel, that's speed. Like he just wants speed and speed and speed on offense. And that's why they went out and got a guy like Braxton Berrios. That's why they went out and, and signed Robbie Chosen, Chosen Anderson, Robbie Chosen Anderson, whatever his name is. That's why they're doing that. And that's the other reason why and I said this in a previous thing where we were talking about Dalvin Cook. I love Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in offense. I think they're an excellent, excellent running back duo. Uh, and I don't see a need for, for Dalvin Cook there, especially because they just went out and got – uh, Devon A-Chain, which it is pronounced that way for anybody. That is, it is Devon. It is Devon. I looked it up yesterday because apparently there's an apostrophe in his name. Didn't know that. It's been like corrected now. Uh, it's like Clinton Dix where it's spelled as Sean, but it's well, actually yeah. it's Hassine. It's yeah, that. so it's, it's like it's Devon A-Chain. I'm, I'm almost positive that that's correct. Uh, another guy, okay. very fast and really fits that scheme. So that offense is so explosive. And then their defense, I think the biggest addition, I'm not even, I'm not even sure you mentioned it. Maybe you mentioned it. Uh, they got Vic Fangio now running that defense because they do, that was yes. a major issue last year on, on on top of the you know the, just the overall talent was the scheme was bad like they, their coaching was bad they were not putting positions or players in positions to succeed you also had and I'm not a Xavier Howard fan at least given what he did last year but he was playing hurt and that's that is that does need to be taken into account and I think that if he can even return somewhat close to the level he was a couple of years ago that's one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL not the best that's the Jets but. One of the best for sure. Javon Holland's a great player. Jalen Phillips is a phenomenal player. I love Jalen Phillips. Loved him coming out of college. He's their best pass rusher by a decent margin. He's significantly better than Bradley Chubb. I did not like the Bradley Chubb trade at the time. They gave him a very hefty contract. He's a good player. He's fine. I don't think he's a game changer. He doesn't really move the needle too much, but he's a good player. Uh, that defense has a lot of talent on it. And with Vic Fangio running it now, I think they're going to they're gonna make some strides. Christian Wilkins is there as well. Zach Sealer, another underrated player. They have a lot of talent there. The two issues for me come down to the offensive line. And then the other part that I haven't mentioned yet is, you know, you always see this with a young hotshot coach. Like Mike McDaniel uh, is a good example of this. Had a lot of success with his scheme in the first year. But how are teams going to adapt to it? 
And I, I want to see how he does when, when teams potentially make some changes and they had an entire off season prepared for this offense. What are they going to do to, to adapt and maybe force McDaniel to get more creative? Obviously people like Kyle Shanahan have been able to overcome that in their career. We haven't seen if Mike McDaniel could do that. So even aside from to his health, which is obviously number one concern, the offensive line gives me pause. The potential questioning with the offensive coaching staff gives me some pause, but on paper, I, I think this roster is Super Bowl contenders for sure. Well, you people can adjust to certain schematic things, but they can't adjust to not being as fast as Tyreek Hill. Sure. You can't adjust and just say, run faster, run as fast as that guy. Like that's what gives me confidence that things are going to last because you can, you can scheme him up perfectly and lock him down. If he just goes, Hey, Tyreek, run as fast as you can that way. And two would just throw it under him. Hey, how do you, how do you stop that? You don't. No, you're not wrong. You're so, not wrong. <laughs> moving on to, the the big bad in the division, the team that everybody still expects, at least a lot of people expect, to win the division and compete for a Super Bowl is the Buffalo Bills. And the one thing, if you're a Jets fan, that could give you some optimism is the vibes seem off in Buffalo for some reason. I think it may have been like that loss in Cincinnati really, or to Cincinnati in Buffalo in the snow, really messed them up a little bit because Leslie Frazier, who was getting head coaching interviews, just quits. Sean McDermott says, oh no, hold on. I can Bill Belichick this and I can be the defensive coordinator also. A guy in Sean McDermott, who I really think is a really fantastic coach and really good at like raising the floor. But I mean, I think he's got to start winning some playoff games soon with the roster he has. I think the heat's really on him. I think the heat's on Josh Allen because earlier, like it's one thing to just keep getting beat by Mahomes or guys like that in the playoffs or you're like, okay, like sometimes you just run into buzz saws, but like, I think it's pretty fair to say Buffalo was a much better team than Cincinnati. I think last year. And I think that loss kind of said like, okay, Josh, like when are you going to, when are you going to have that year? When are you going to finally break through? You can't keep using the, the Mahomes excuse forever. So I think the heat is really on. I think they didn't really make like a ton of insane addition. I mean, part of it too, is they just were, they're locked down because of Josh Allen's, humongous contract they can't really they don't have the financial flexibility to add a ton of guys i did like the osiris torts and the dalton kincaid picks i just don't know how much of a year one impact they're going to have they don't really still have a number two receiver next to stefan diggs i mean gabriel davis is is gabriel davis how many years are going to try to make gabriel davis a number two receiver the running game is still what it is damian harris i think is probably the best of what they have now but I mean, Damian Harris kept losing his job to Ramondre Stevenson, who was a rookie at the time. He just beat him out. And I, I like Ramondre Stevenson, but I mean, the fact that as a rookie, beat out a guy who I think led the league in touchdowns one year. I mean, that should that should say something about how about how New England viewed him, and probably how Buffalo is going to view him. The defense is pretty much running it back. A lot of the same guys, and it's still good. Like it's not a bad defense. And when you get a guy like Sean McDermott who's a really good mind. Like there's just a base floor of competency. They're going to have, obviously they're going to play a lot of games later in the year up in Buffalo in the weather. That's going to kind of neuter your passing game a lot. So that should help them. But I can't really put my finger on, maybe it's the Stefan Diggs drama. I can't really put my finger on it. Something about this bills team. They just don't have the same. It may be the fear factor. Maybe Cincinnati going in and beating them said like, Oh, they're not just this juggernaut that unless you have Patrick Mahomes, you can't beat. That might be it. So I think there's a legitimate opening where even if Josh Allen is another Josh Allen year where he's thrown for 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and running for 700 yards like he does, like he's going to put those numbers up. I still think the Jets could compete with them for a division. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously on paper, the Bills have one of the best teams in the NFL. I think a lot of Bills fans might be starting to get a little bit of PTSD, at least those that lived through the 90s, because this team obviously hasn't made a Super Bowl yet, but it feels like is similar to those 90s Bills teams where they're so close and they clearly have a great team, but they just can't get over the hump and win it. That's kind of the vibe you're getting with this team right now. They're an extremely well-coached team. Sean McDermott is an excellent head coach. Josh Allen is a top three quarterback in the NFL, and I won't listen to any other argument that says he's not. He is – Who says he isn't? <laughs> there, there have been people that are saying it because, oh, he hasn't won a playoff game, whatever, right? Or that, Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure that guy just lost his show on Fox. If you're the guy that I'm thinking, right? Like, he doesn't want a meaningful playoff game. He can't get his team there. This ain't Josh Allen's fault. I know some people might say, you know, you just said like the heat is on Josh Allen a little bit. It's not his fault. He has played exceptional in the playoffs. Uh, Obviously, I know there's, you know, there are some concerns with turnovers. I think he's had like close to 30 interceptions over the last two years combined. 
It's fair. Like that's fair. But the but that's also just how he plays. Is. Like they probably are fine with one hundred percent because of everything else that he does. He is one of the most dynamic and and talented players the NFL has quite literally ever seen at any position. He's that good. So with Josh Allen as their quarterback and with Sean McDermott as their head coach, they're going to be a very good team, regardless of anything else on that team. But you are right in saying that of the four teams in the AFC East, they are the least improved for for sure. And obviously part of that is they were already really good and they didn't have the same financial flexibility that the teams had. They didn't have the draft capital, but it's still true. They didn't really make like I'm looking at the entire roster right now. I don't think there's a single starter. That is an that is an outside addition. That there was an external addition. Am I am I correct in saying that? This I don't think they they signed or drafted a single guy who is locked into a starting job. Unless Osiris maybe Kincaid, but even then, like he's got to beat out Knox. So yeah, I don't think anybody's locked in that they brought in. Yeah, I mean, unless unless Osiris Torrance or or Dalton Kincaid can win a starting job, or you know they come out as starters, which I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not sure you really have that. I guess Trent Sherfield is sort of like their their slot receiver, and they signed him. I think this offseason. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah, so that's, that's the guy or whatever. But uh, it's not really anything major. So they didn't. Or I guess they got they did go out and sign Leonard Floyd as well. That was another one. But I'm not sure is he even like a a like true starter for them. Um, no, nah, he'll be like a. I think he's like a situational pass. At this right. point, his career is a little older. I think he's like situational pass rusher. Right. And they already have you know Von Miller and stuff. So it's 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 interesting. Not coming off an injury, so maybe he's like he kind of takes some time away from yeah. him. So I, I I still think that on paper they're an excellent team, and I would still pick them to win the division. They they are my pick to win the division because I'm very much a firm believer in you know if you have that spot until you lose it, I'm going to keep putting you there. That's why I keep saying the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL because until they prove that they're not, they're going to be. Uh, you know, and it's the same thing with the Bills in the AFC East. Maybe all of this this off-season noise with Stephon Diggs and maybe, you know, the the losing in the playoffs, maybe it does end up coming back to bite them and maybe the vibes are bad and maybe it does lead to to worse results on the field. But until further notice, I'm still going to say they're the best team in the AFC East, but they definitely aren't necessarily at all the, the, the odds-on favorites to win a division. The Jets have every chance to win a division. I believe the Dolphins have every chance to win a division as well. All three of those teams are, are in a similar ballpark in my mind. The big difference is just Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the division. Sorry to Aaron Rodgers. Sorry to Tua Lowe, but Josh Allen is, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and one of the best we've seen in a long time. And that that is the difference maker. But I definitely think that they're not the like clear odds on best team in a division. I think Jets and Dolphins are, are definitely in that same vein. I do think though, if the Bills don't make it to the AFC championship game this year, I think people are going to start saying, all right, we might need to get rid of Sean McDermott. Fair or unfair? Oh, it's already happening. We're, I've already seen that stuff this offseason. People being like, oh, is Sean McDermott the right coach? And it's like, part of me is also like, dude, the NFL is so hard. Like, and I know it sounds like it's such a like a cliche thing or whatever, but it's it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. It's it's ridiculously difficult, and so much of it comes down to luck. You know, it really does. The Bills should have beaten the Chiefs that year in, in that ridiculous game. Right, Mahomes run eighty yards yeah, in, in fourteen seconds, seconds or whatever. They should. The Bills should have won that game, and if they do, it's a completely different narrative right now. So, I got so much of it just comes down to that. I think they'll eventually get lucky. I think they'll eventually find their way to the Super Bowl or find their way, you know, close to. I guess they've gotten close for a you know number of times now, but maybe they eventually will. But either way, I don't think it's on Sean McDermott. I think he's a great coach. I don't think it's John Josh Allen. He's a great quarterback. Sometimes just stuff happens, and by stuff, I mean. Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and obviously Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. It's a really tough competition. It's it's difficult to win a Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And Aaron Rodgers. Factor that in now too. So absolutely <laughs> feels good finally that we're in that mindset. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's move on to another segment that I think we've been really dying to kind of tackle on now in this offseason sort of malaise where news can be, you know, it's hard to come by sometimes. So what we're going to do is take another look back, as we've done with a couple of our recent podcasts, and look at some free agent signings. I mean, free agency has not been along very long, and the Jets, they've tried to take advantage, and oh boy, have they failed miserably most of the time. So 
we're going to do a little bit of like a snake draft kind of thing. And uh, if you don't mind, I think because you got number one in the player draft recently, I think I'll take number the number one spot. Go for it. Better than trying to flip a coin with Siri live on the air again. That's more. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just to avoid to avoid the Mike Francesa dead air uh, that we are not as talented as him and we can't pull off <laughs> like Francesa could. So to avoid that, I'm just going to go ahead and seize the number one spot. And when you think about Jets free agent signings, even in the 90s when they were actually spending money unwisely, but they were doing it, and there were a bunch of big flops that we'll get to later on this list, I mean, nothing can compete with Trumaine Johnson, a guy who, if you look at the worst free agent signings in NFL history, I mean, he might be in the top 10. That is not crazy to say. I don't know about top five. I mean, top 10, I feel like he's in that seven or eight range. Trumaine Johnson, who actually was not a bad player, uh, with the Rams, six years split between St. Louis and L.A., always a ball hawk, too. I think he had uh, 18 interceptions in six years. He had seven one year. He always, he was a risky cornerback, but I could see why the Jets thinking, you know, he's 6'2", 215, big guy, risky, but he gets a lot of turnover. Almost like a Marcus Peters kind of guy, mm-hmm. even though a little bigger than Marcus Peters, muscle-wise. I'm like, I could see why he fits, and, man, did he just come in and stink up the joint to a degree I didn't even think was possible. He only ended up playing 17 games, including getting benched after signing a five-year deal. Five-year deal. Hmm. And the Jets get 17 games out of him. He is cut after the 2019 season, so at least that was one good thing the Adam Gase era brought. Was He he prevented our eyes from bleeding, from watching more Tremaine Johnson. And the, the funniest part is, it's always funny when Jets bust just immediately go out of the league. Like it's not like they have a, a bust who kind of gets on with another team, bounces around, you know, practice squad guy. Like so many guys the Jets pick just don't even end up making the league again. And Tremaine Johnson is one of those guys where he gets cut by the Jets and no one sniffed around him. That just, that was the end of Tremaine Johnson. So I mean, it's sad that a guy lost his career that quickly, but you know what? You were paid to be an elite corner and you were barely a backup corner. So good riddance, Tremaine Johnson. Yeah, I, I think that that absolutely has to be in the uh, the tweet that I sent out announcing that we were doing this podcast. I uh, I used an image of him, so I, I feel like everybody. I, I used three images of him actually. If you look at look at the tweet, it was an accident. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that Trey Johnson, like you mentioned, is definitely not only the biggest free agent bust in Jets history, but one of the biggest in NFL history. You can't have a list of the biggest blunders in free agency without talking about Jermaine Johnson. And honestly. You might not be able to make that list without talking about another guy who I'm about to mention. I'm about to take. It's another recent signing. It's Le'Veon Bell. I have to throw him in there. I have to put it. He's my top pick. I think he's one of the biggest blunders that the Jets have made in recent years. And it sucks because at the time, most fans are probably on board with it. And obviously, the mindset has kind of shifted with running backs, even over the last like four years. It has changed. But Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, four-year, $52.5 million contract in 2019. He played that first season with the Jets, of course. Those were the Adam Gase Jets. He had sat out the previous year because of the the whole contract dispute with Pittsburgh. Uh, And everyone was very curious to see how that would affect him. How would he play? This was the new-look Jets. It's Sam Darnold. It's his second year and new head coach, Adam Gase. What can this offense look like? It started off all right. And he caught that. I believe he was at a touchdown in that first game. It was a two-point conversion. It was one of the two. Uh, I think it was a two-point conversion. Is that the game where Corey Vedvik missed the, the, the two yeah, kicks? That was that was Corey Vedvik. Corey Vedvik. One game. Uh, yeah, Corey. I had to recently live, relive Corey Vedvik because I'm working on an article uh, for those who don't know on ranking every uh, foreign-born player in Jets history, which that's going to be wild. Uh, it's like 36 of them. That's going to be really fun. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, but Corey Vedvik is, of course, he's born in Norway, so he's on that list, and he uh, he might be last. We'll have to see. There's a few bad ones. <laughs> Jan Stenerud, he was not. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, it started off all right for Bell, but he ended up finishing that first year, averaged 3.2 yards per carry in 15 games, just a brutal showing for him. Now, you could partially blame Adam Gase for that. Obviously, the offense wasn't very good around him, but he clearly was not the same player that he was with the Steelers, and that became evident pretty quickly. Uh, they, he did stick around for the next season, only for a couple of games before the Jets Outright cut him. They, they straight up released him, straight up waived him uh, after they, they tried to trade him and they couldn't find any takers. So his Jets career ends, 17 games, 3.3 yards per carry, 863 yards, just three uh, touchdowns on the ground. 
brutal signing. Just makes me so sad knowing yes. what he was. Like that's legitimately sad. It is. It is. What he's a, a perfect example. Him and like Todd Gurley of just how quickly running backs can fall off in the NFL. And you're not Todd Gurley had arthritis too, wasn't that what? Messed yeah, him and up? he's he's still only like 27 or something. It's crazy, and he hasn't played in years, uh, which is wild. Um, but yeah, it's just I think that the lady on Bell contract not only changed the way that the Jets are kind of conducting business, but it changed the way the NFL does because. I don't think you're going to see a free agent running back that could get that kind of contract again for a very long time. They might get extensions, but it's it's going to be really rare to see a player like Levy or any running back, any star running back, leave a team and get paid big money in free agency. It's just, I don't think it's happening. And I think that Bell signing was so like disastrous that it changed the way that the entire NFL sees the running back position. Uh, so that's it has to be number one for me. I, I, I do think it has to be near the top. I want to, because we're going to go serpentine style here, so I get back-to-back picks. I think a lot of the players that we pick are going to be pretty recent. I want to go back to one who is is probably going to be one of the oldest ones on this list. And it's even before my time, but I just know, I know how disastrous it was for the Jets. I want to go back to the, I believe the 1996 season. And you probably know where I'm going with this already. Uh, the Jets signed a quarterback who had played pretty well with the Steelers. He was a good quarterback with the Steelers. He led them to the Super Bowl the year before, I believe. Uh, and he he became a free agent. The Steelers wanted him. They offered him a contract. And the, the Jets ended up outbidding. We're talking about Neil O'Donnell, uh, of course, before the Jermaine Johnson signing, was probably the biggest free agent bust in Jets history. He was like the classic one that everyone always mentioned. Uh, he went 0-6 in his first year as starter, and then he got hurt. Came back the next year, which you know this was, I believe, the first year of Bill Parcells. Actually played better. Uh, but it wasn't enough to keep him around, and, and then they, they quickly ousted him after, ousted him after that. Um, just you know, just a disaster of a signing because they signed this guy expecting him to be their quarterback, their their long term quarterback. He was going to be, uh, you know, their their hopeful, their their centerpiece of the offense. They're going to build around him, uh, and I, in many ways, he kind of epitomized that absolutely disastrous 1996 season for the Jets. I believe that, that was still Rich Kotite, right? That was still the Rich Kotite era. I think it was the 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 last of the Kotite year. years. Yeah, it was the second of the two Kotite years. Uh, and it just it, it epitomized that era of, of the Jets in a way that, you know, Adam Gase kind of epitomizes a different era for the Jets. Mm-hmm. And that sucks for Neil O'Donnell, who actually genuinely was all right afterwards. Another quick uh, uh, plug here. I did an article ranking every Jets quarterback since 1990. And Neil O'Donnell ranked surprisingly higher than you'd probably expect. I mean, <laughs> that's not a compliment to Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> Dude, there's, I mean, I mean, I think Geno Smith was top 10. Like, it's bad, man. It's cool. really bad. Bobby uh, Brister and, uh Bobby Brister was, yeah, it was a lot, man. Dude, it was, it was, that was a really fun article to make. Uh, so definitely check that out. But uh, yeah, Neil O'Donnell ranked surprisingly high because he wasn't bad in that first Parcells year, but he's kind of a stink of what the original expectations were for him and how bad he was that first season under Rich Kotite. So I think for the the old heads, you know, here, the the older fans, I got to give a shout out to Neil, Neil O'Donnell. He's my second pick here. Neil O'Donnell, I'm trying to, it would remind me, imagine if, remember that one year Baker Mayfield uh, won a playoff game with the Browns? Yeah. Imagine if he went to the Super Bowl. That That's basically the quarterback level. I mean, he was a good quarterback. I remember, too, he was, uh, he was Steve McNair's backup with the Titans like forever. He was wow. with Jeff Fisher. He, that was like his second career. Was he? He yeah. played until he was like forty. Like a like a Titans. Mark Brunel, like a Mark Brunel type career. Like a Mark Brunel. I mean, Mark Brunel as a starter was much better than Neil O'Donnell was. Right, I mean, right. Those offenses in Jacksonville. But I mean, I think that's just cla- like it's overpaying for a, a fringe quarterback who they thought was. It, it was part of it too, is because he went to the Super Bowl and that was before quarterback analysis is what it is today. And they didn't realize how much of that was was Barry Foster running the ball and that insane yeah. defense. And then of course people forget he threw like the two worst picks in Super Bowl history. That was uh the Cowboys. I think that was one of the years they had Dion. So they had Dion and Larry Brown. And of course everybody was throwing at Larry Brown because they weren't throwing at Dion. And there was a couple miscommunications. Go back and look at the film. Larry Brown catches the ball. There's nobody else even on the screen. Like he's just the only guy in in the picture frame. Like he could not have thrown two easier interceptions. And then actually Larry Brown got a huge contract with the Raiders after that. And he started one game in two years. And like Larry Brown might be worse than all these signings. I got some some football lore here. So Neil O'Donnell in that game created two of probably the 10 worst free agent signings in NFL history. You can make an argument. 
I'll never forget. I think it was the, the 2018 offseason when the Jets were rumored to sign Kirk Cousins, and that was that was that whole thing. I, I'll never forget all of the the older Jets fans being like, "Oh, he's going to be another Neil O'Donnell." Kirk it's Cousins is much better than Neil O'Donnell was for sure, for yeah. sure. But it was definitely a similar situation where a pretty good quarterback, uh, you know, coming off some. I mean, he didn't he didn't find the same success in Washington that, that Neil O'Donnell did with the Steelers, but similar situation. Everyone, you know, every Jets fan like, "Oh, oh he's going to be the next Neil O'Donnell." But, I right. could break your leg and you'd have better mobility than Neil Donald. That was his problem too. Like, so he just, that was his other problem. Like he didn't throw a lot of interceptions, but he was just, it was like the bad parts of Derek Carr where it's just like, get it for a second and a half check yeah. down. Like that was basically how he had to play because he couldn't move. So that's, that's not how you win mm-hmm. unless you have an insane Bill Cowher defense. So moving on, I'm going to go with a guy who, for my second pick was a guy that it hurts me to do this because I was such a big fan of his and I had a Jersey of him and I thought he was the coolest thing since sliced bread when they initially traded for him mm. and then re-signed to a horrible deal. And that was Santonio Holmes because yep. Santonio Holmes after arriving from the Steelers was a legitimate difference maker on a team that had success in the postseason. And I mean, it, it's just what Mark Sanchez needed because he was a little faster than a guy like Braylon Edwards. He was a sure receiver. He was a good route runner. And then he got paid and he, all that goodwill just went out the window. Didn't get kicked out of the huddle one game. I mean, it just, he just soured on everybody. Nobody liked him by the end of it. I don't know if he got paid and got a little too big for his britches or what it was, but I remember the Jets acquire Santonio Holmes after a 1200 yard season. And then obviously in 2010, like he's, his production's down, but it was it was Mark Sanchez. And then after that year, he never had more than 600 yards in a season ever again. I think he, he never had more than 51 catches in a season ever again. It was just another st- – I just realized, too, three of the four uh, players that the Jets have acquired in this list so far are former Steelers. So That is true. Yet, that is true. Yet another former Steeler that the Jets have acquired, and it just did not turn out well for Santonio Holmes. Yeah, and that it does suck, like you mentioned, uh, because you know the I feel like fans kind of kind of don't talk about that one a lot because a lot of fans do have genuinely really great memories with Santonio Holmes, of course, one of the greatest catches probably in Jets history. Uh, but it, it's easy to forget that after that one year, they gave him a, a crazy high contract, and you know there was everything from you know the the he, he got benched, like there was some some issues he had with the locker room, and it was just it was bad. It was just it was just not a good time. Uh, and definitely probably one of the worst contracts the Jets have ever given out, which sucks for a guy who is generally, I would say, a held in high regard by Jets fans, but definitely easy to forget about that terrible contract. I'm going to go with my third pick and grab another receiver okay. who uh, was signed in a championship push and has a career that is not a Hall of Fame career, but is a Hall of Very Good career. I know where you're going with this. And that was my guy, Derek Mason, because... Derek Mason, both with the Titans, or I think he was with the Oilers. That's how far back he went was when they were still the Oilers. And then he stuck around with the Titans. And then with the Ravens, mostly with Steve McNair. I mean, that was Steve McNair's guy. And he put up numbers. I think he has 11,000 receiving yards in his career or something to that effect. 12,000. 12,943 catches and 66 touchdowns. Only a handful of them were with the Jets because in his last year, that he said he was 37. I know it sounds old for a receiver, but he just came off like an 800 yard season at age 36 mm-hmm. with a limited offense. So there was reason to believe that he could be a nice veteran player. And I believe Marty Morningwood was the offensive coordinator. And look, everybody had problems with, with that offensive scheme. Nobody liked it. Derek Mason really didn't like it. And he let everybody know how much he really didn't like it. And then before the year was even half over, he gets cut. I think he went to Houston for a a little bit, he caught like two passes, and that was the end of Derek Mason. So, in terms of what I thought he could have been, because he was still a Hall of Very Good player, I think is fair to call him. I thought, you know what, he could be that nice little complimentary piece, and oh boy, was he not! So, <laughs> a very brief tenure for Derek Mason. Yeah, that's another guy who, again, he just had issues with the locker room that ended up kind of tanking his Jets career, and it was a very brief one, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm gonna kind of stick. Or I, I, I'm going to go in a similar route to San Antonio Holmes, to a player who is definitely held in high regard by most Jets fans. I know he's kind of been in the news a little bit recently uh, for some not so great things, but uh, one of the, if not the greatest player in Jets history, definitely one of the greatest. It's got to be Darrell Rivas, uh, because unfortunately, the second one. Yeah, it's it's another situation where you know, like San Antonio Holmes, 
he was brought back and everyone was, was, you know, or I guess with Holmes, he wasn't brought back, but that first year was great. The, the Jets went out and they signed Revis to a five-year, $70 million contract to bring him back, to reunite him with the organization that drafted him after he won a Super Bowl with New England, after he spent that year in Tampa Bay. And everyone was so excited. And honestly, that first year he had for the Jets was still good. Like, I believe he made the Pro Bowl. He was good in 2015. He was still, he was a, a key part of that Jets 2015 team that, that won 10 games. Like, he was a very, a very important part of that team. And then it all came crashing down. He was just a train wreck in 2016. And unfortunately, so a lot of Jets fans kind of remember him for that last era. And obviously, the contract disputes with the organization. And now, I guess, his weird Twitter feud with Joe Klecko, whatever's going on with that. Uh, but, and as you know, there's obviously a lot of that in, in kind of his legacy or whatever. But he was still you know, he's still the greatest Jets defensive player in, in, in team history. Um, but it's, it's, you have to count him on this list because five years, 70 million played one good year. And then was an absolute disaster in that second season. And then they released him before the 2017 season. Um, so definitely just a, a, a really bad contract that Jets gave out. Unfortunately, one of those cases of a corner, just kind of hitting a wall, sort of like Jermaine Johnson later in their career, they just kind of fell off a cliff. Um, and it's unfortunate to, to put him here, but it definitely, I think he definitely warrants inclusion. It, the the second Revis stint was the HBO Max, yeah. sorry, just Max remake of your favorite child. So I'm afraid of that Futurama reboot. I feel like it's going to be very Darrell Revis second tenure around. <laughs> so I just, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that that, that does not happen. So Revis is a good one, but I actually have... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I get two picks, buddy. I get two oh, picks. Oh, yeah. To, jump the gun. You're trying to oh, jump no. me here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, let's see because i got two guys let's see if you pick let's one see of them. if i let's see if i i uh i pull a uh the steelers and try to jump ahead of you and take the, the player you wanted to pick uh <laughs> i am gonna stick with the same position i'm gonna stick with cornerback and i think you know where i'm going with this uh we did mention him briefly before we started recording i'm going dimitri patterson and it's not because of the fact that it was super detrimental to the team although the jets did sign him to be their number one cornerback they only gave him, I think it was one year, $3 million. It wasn't a crazy contract by any means. It's just kind of because of the sheer hilarity of how the entire situation unfolded. The Jets signed Dimitri Patterson, who was, you know, in aging corner. He was on the downside of his career, but he was still pretty solid. He had a couple of good years with, with Cleveland, with Philly, then with Miami. He was all right. Um, the Jets signed him to be there, essentially their number one corner because Antonio Cromartie was gone. And they, 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 that was the expectation. And then late August, like a few weeks before the season starts, he goes uh, AWOL, for lack of a better term. He's gone. He quit. He quit he on the quit Jets. On the, team. the team doesn't know where he is. It's like a huge story. It's the most Jets thing ever. People are like, oh, here we go again. Uh, and then like a few, I believe it was a few days later, a couple weeks later, whatever, it's just revealed that he's retiring, and that's it. Uh, so the Jets signed the guy to be the number one corner. Didn't give him a huge contract, but had expectations for him to be a starter and a, a key starter for the team, uh, and then he quits. He literally quits, leaves the team without even telling them. And that's it. That's the end of the Dimitri Patterson saga with the Jets. So I don't think it's the most de detrimental signing. I think a lot of the other big money deals we've talked about are a lot worse. But it's just it has to be here because it's just so funny. And when people think of, you know, Jets sagas and, in, in, you know, in recent history or just some of the more unfortunate, hilarious moments in franchise history, people talk about the Dimitri Patterson situation because it was it was just so weird. It was a very odd situation. Say what you will about Tremaine Johnson. He played. He played in games. Oh, he did. He showed up and is like, "I want to play." Put me in, coach. To the detriment of the team, but he did. <laughs> Demetri Patterson goes, "Au contraire, no, sir. I actually have differing opinions. I'm just going to Vontae Davis this and and, and quit and leave." Yeah. Or Antonio Brown it, I think, is the better way. Yeah. I don't know with that much bombast, but that's what he oh, did. So was Demetri Patterson one of the players you were going to pick? Uh, yes, but I got another guy, another older guy, not Neil O'Donnell old, but another guy that if you were around in the early 2000s, you'll remember this name for being a guy that everybody thought would honestly change the Jets. And then he did the exact opposite of changing the Jets. And that was another Super Bowl guy. And that was Damian Robinson, who was a part of the, the Tampa Bay team that was that was right before they started getting like Super Bowl level good. I think. Uh, he left. John Lynch was still there, but then once he left, they put Dexter Jackson in, and then John Lynch and Dexter Jackson ended up winning the Super Bowl. But they signed Robinson in 2001. Now remember that year, because this then their first game after 9/11, right before he is arrested and charged with possession of a semi-automatic weapon and ammunition in the parking lot. Idiot! <laughs> what the hell are you doing? 
at, at any day, but especially then. But I mean, so that was his introduction to the Jets was a loaded semi-automatic in his car. And then I believe in like his first or his second game, he like ripped. They were playing the Saints, I remember. It was like one of the first games I ever remember watching. And Aaron Brooks was the quarterback. I remember Aaron Brooks was a cool quarterback, man. He's a big giant guy. And he like ripped his helmet off and started a huge fight. And we're like, okay, this is what the hell's going on here? I think he plastered two years. It was terrible in both of them. He had one like, I still got a coach year in Seattle, and he didn't have it. And then that was the end of Damian Robinson. But yeah, for in terms of how bad you could start a, a tenure, considering all of the circumstances, I mean, it's hard to top that one. Yeah, that's another one where it's just the sheer hilarity of it definitely earns a spot on this list. Because it's not even hilarity because it's 9-11. No, it's related. not hilarity, but it's, it's like an unfortunate thing. It's off-field stuff, essentially. Uh, but <laughs> Poor Damian Robinson. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good shot. Are we doing five each or are we doing four each? Do you want? I think, I think that that really encompasses <laughs> the eight worst. I think you could order them in any order you want. I feel like we just pretty much – Found the worst eight. That's fair in terms of all the extenuating factors. If I had because we got one more, we got one more topic to kind of dive into here, and that is uh, television related. It is hard knocks related because uh, hard knocks it, deny it all you want. It's coming. It's to my chagrin, to the Jets' chagrin. It's coming, mm-hmm. and uh, they're gonna they're gonna chop that show up and edit it to make it really juicy and gossipy and digestible for the audience and. I, I, like I don't want to make it seem like they're literally that HBO is trying to tear the Jets apart from the inside. I don't think that it's that sophisticated an operation, but I think that there are going to be some storylines to watch. Uh, and I, I mentioned this on the on the last show. I think obviously the Quinn and Williams thing is going to take precedent if that is not resolved. It should be resolved. If that is not, that's going to be a huge problem, and it's going to be a real di- genuine distraction if that's getting aired out publicly. One storyline I mentioned on the last show that I just need to see is I got to see more of Michael Clemens. Yeah. Because the Jets, like, obviously it's going to be the Aaron Rodgers show, but that doesn't mean it's just going to be Aaron Rodgers and then 52 other guys. Michael Clemens is about as much fun I've had with a Jets rookie. And this is a year where we had Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Michael Clemens was the most fun, I think, out of all of them just because of this the persona and the voice and the fact he's wearing medium shirts when he's like a triple XL and everything's so tight. And he's got a septum piercing and the always like looking down. So he's got this menacing scowl. I mean, he just, he looks like in like a cheesy, like nineties comedy, like the henchman of like the big bad guy mm-hmm. who's like eight feet tall and 400 pounds. That's the energy I get from Michael Clemens. And just the world needs to know about this guy. He's just a gem. Like I don't even know if he's trying. That's the. Fun. I think we might be trying now. Like I think he knows like his persona. And he might be leaning into it, but I think he's just naturally that kind of guy. And I could see why if you're a defensive coordinator like Robert Salo is like, whoa, this guy, this guy eats nails for breakfast. I want him on my team. I, I want to see the hidden Michael Clemens, the hidden side of Michael Clemens. I want it to be revealed that he's really like a massive Taylor Swift fan, that he collects beanie <laughs> babies, that <laughs> this dude is like an, a softy on the inside. I want that to be revealed. I, I rem- That reminds me of, I remember the guy who I think still has the deepest voice I've ever heard in the NFL is Brian Arakpo. Oh, yeah. If you remember yeah. him. And Brian Arakpo owned like a cupcake shop. <laughs> like, like I, I want I want that for him. Yeah, I, I think that Michael Clemens could be, could be like the Vince Wilfork of this season of Hard Knocks. Like they're kind of just showing a different side of him. And I think that could be really fun. Another player, I mean, obviously we got, you know, the obvious stuff. Everything with Aaron Rodgers, they're going to, everything with Aaron Rodgers. Everything from his off-field stuff is everything on the field, the comparisons of Brett Favre, everything they're going to dive into. I mean, there's the obvious stuff with that. There's the obvious stuff with, um, you know, with Brees Hall. I think Makai Becton's another one who's going to get a lot of attention. His entire redemption arc is going to be a major thing that they play up. Um, but I, I think another player who, if we're talking about like an under-the-radar guy who could get profiled, Jeremy Rucker, I think is a perfect one for them because local guy, kind of didn't do much his rookie season, but now the Jets maybe hope he can take on a larger role. I believe Connor Rogers just this week said that he believes he's the best tight end of the Jets roster. Um, obviously, we'll see if he can get to that point. He's definitely buried in the depth chart right now, but because of that local flair, because he has that connection, maybe we get his dad, Bill, on the show. I think that'd be really fun because we know Bill Ruckert loves the camera. We know he's he's a charismatic guy. Uh, it would be fun to get him there, and obviously, he's local, so I'm sure he can make the trip down the training camp, and I'm sure he's there a lot. 
Um, so I think that's another like fun side player that might get profiled. I think too. One thing I'm I'm watching is there's got to be one undrafted guy. I, I get they do it framing watch for a story that there's always like an undrafted guy they want to get you invested in and really hooked on. And I'm not, like I don't know the personalities of Jason Brownlee mm-hmm. or Trey Dean at this point, but I feel like there's got to be one like real gem who emerges from that. Even though I think that it's simultaneously the best and the worst part of that show are the undrafted guys because I mentioned that in the last podcast like. I hate in general, like whenever you watch the Super Bowl and then they do the interviews with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes winning, and then they talk to Nick Sirianni against like a big, like a prison background gray wall. And it's like, I know this is the worst moment of your life, but how do you feel? Like, I, I hate when they do that. And I, they're going to do that again this year where they're going to have these undrafted guys. They're going to be like, hey, yeah, watch your entire football career end in front of millions of people. Yeah, it's going to be Danny Woodhead. It's going to be Danny Woodhead all over again. That's because that's, that's, that was the guy when the Jets were last on Hard Knocks. That was the guy. At least Danny Woodhead, like he ended up having a career. Yeah. Like I'm just afraid there's going to be like just some guy who's going to end up having a very good job and a very normal life and, you know, get married, have some kids, whatever it is. And for the, but all people are going to remember about him, like all the decisions that guy made in his life until that point are going to be him getting his butt reamed and saying, you're not good enough to play in the NFL. And it's going to be in front of me. I'm like, that's so mean. That's so mean. I think my pick for who I think, not necessarily that's going to follow that exact trajectory, but that will be the undrafted guy that, that hard knocks catches onto is Jerome cap. I think that that's someone who makes a ton of sense, kind of an undersized uh, underdog, if you will from Kutztown, I believe it is, right? Which is somewhat local, I suppose. Uh, it's in it's PA. It's where Andre Reed went, I believe. So Who, who went there? Andre Reed. Oh, oh, well, dang. Okay, cool. Good for him. He's following in his footsteps. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was one of the, the two guys that the Jets signed out of rookie minicamp. So he wasn't even originally signed as an undrafted free agent. So he wasn't even in that initial wave. He had to earn a spot on the team with rookie minicamp. I think that makes, some, makes sense to someone. I think the other storyline that we haven't even mentioned or talked about that is going to get so much hype is everything with Zach Wilson. Kind of him, kind of, uh, I guess, starting his new role, right? Or you're finding his footing in his new role as a backup, as the backup quarterback of the New York Jets, learning under the, the tutelage of his idol, right? Aaron Rodgers. I think everything with Zach Wilson, everything, you know, how he's handling the process, what his mindset is like, that is going to be di- like, they're going to dive into that so much. And they're going to try and get him to slip up. They're trying to get him to say something that he doesn't mean. Uh, I think that he's hopefully learned after, you know, the, the minor slip up he had with the, with the media last year. Um, but I'm sure they're going to really dive into everything with Zach Wilson. I just see that I'm not as interested in the Zach Wilson thing just because I don't buy into the Rogers mentor. Like, next, he doesn't want to, but like, if you're talented at a certain thing, like there's only so much teaching you can do with like, you can't just say throw the ball like me. That's why like, I remember Wayne Gretzky was an awful coach. Like that, like it's hard to disseminate that. Like it, it reminds me of, I remember I was in like a guitar center once and the guitar, remember that band living color. Oh yes, I do. That's so, yeah. The guitarist came in he was just like checking out some guitars and then he just perfectly shredded the entire solo for cult of personality. And then he's like, yeah, this is a good guitar and just walked out. And we're like, <laughs> what, what the hell, what the hell happened? But like, he couldn't teach me how to play guitar. He's like, yeah, just do this, you know, just shred like that. That's what I feel like is going to be happening. Maybe. It'll definitely be played up regardless. Whether Rodgers is really having a significant impact in mentoring Wilson, who knows. But they're definitely going to play it up. And they're just going to – it's almost – it's going to almost feel like they're kicking Wilson while he's down. I'm sure that's going to kind of how how it comes across. It's going to be highlights of like all the interceptions, interspersed. That's hard knocks for you. That's what they do. They want entertaining television. So I I think that that's definitely going to be something. Maybe, you know, maybe Denzel Mims too. Maybe he gets a little spotlight as well. Maybe, yeah, right before he gets traded to the Panthers or something. Right, maybe something. <laughs> man, the, the Panthers, just they have a thing for old Jets, man, for ex-Jets. That, that would actually, <laughs> that's a perfect landing spot for him. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Did I just, I think we just stumbled upon a trade idea. What if that happens now? Like, what if it's because it's wet or oh, it's not Wednesday, it's Thursday. So the Jets, their entire schedule is thrown off. We're recording on a different day. <laughs> they can't, uh, they can't do yeah. that. So if you are, but doesn't matter if you're interested or not in the hard knocks phenomenon, if you're interested in the jet press, you can go find us on Apple podcast, nice. Google podcast, Spotify, overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcast. That's where we are. We are on all the big platforms. We're also on YouTube at the Jet Press. You could subscribe there. You can hit that little bell so you get notified whenever we go live. 
Take us home, Justin. Yes, sir. And next week, we'll be back at a normal time. I know this – I don't know if this was ideal for people. The holidays kind of messed things up. We had some stuff. But we'll be back next week, uh, Wednesday at 3 p.m. And with that, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast, as Mike just mentioned. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, except for today. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big